This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. For the first time in four years, the International Blueberry Organization was able to bring together blueberry industry stakeholders from around the world for a summit. This one took place in Poland, July 3rd through the 6th. Joining me today for today's episode to unpack some of the insights during that event is the chair of the International Blueberry Organization, Peter McPherson. Peter, thank you for joining me on The Business of Blueberries. Thank you, Casey, and uh, thank you for uh, allowing me the opportunity to talk to your uh, your audience. Well, it's a great audience. Obviously, you know it's worldwide. It's amazing how far this podcast reaches. It has been a tremendous tool for really engaging the industry on what's happening in the business. And, and obviously, we spend a lot of time focused on what's happening here domestically and the U.S. business. And to have you on the show to talk about things that took place there at the IBO Summit is going to be great. So not all of us got to go. In fact, I was one, right? So during that period of time that was July 3rd through the 6th, it just so happens to also be the 4th of July here in the States. And a very difficult time for those of us here to want to leave our families and friends for uh, what is really a, a quite a celebration. But knowing as a board member, the planning that it took place, the work that was put into uh, hosting that, that summit, I was really sorry to miss it. So, I mean, part of this is self-interest on my part to have you on the show and just get a download of what did I miss. But first, I thought for our audience today uh, who may not know who you are, that you could just introduce yourself to our audience. So in addition to be the IBO chair, you recently stepped down as general manager of the Costa Group based in Coffs Harbor, South Wales, Australia. So maybe you could tell us just a bit about your background in blueberries, Peter. Well, Casey, uh, I've been very fortunate to have a, a great journey in the blueberry business. It actually started by accident back in the early 80s. I come from a finance background, got involved with a company that were looking to set up tax-deductible operations and they just happened to come across blueberries. That led me into a journey of realizing um, what's become a dream now and effectively taking a very small upstart blueberry business in Australia into uh, a global business. And it's been a great journey and um, I'm thankful for that. Well, I appreciate you sharing that journey, Peter. Uh, I think it's important context for what I know has been an important part of the industry, the IBO for you, not only engaged in your own interest at, at Costa, but the way in which the IBO brings the industry around the table together, you know, from all corners and, and that shared commonality of the story that we're in, the business of blueberries and what we're trying to do to affect change and demand and improvements in our industry. Let's talk a little bit specifically from your perspective. I mean, you've been to these as you're describing and, and you know, this, this wasn't your first rodeo, so to speak. So I thought we'd talk about what was highlights for you about Poland specifically? Was it the farm visits? I know we had some great speakers. Uh, I really appreciated just that the conference was around the theme of making blueberries the world's favorite superfruit. I just think there's a lot of momentum coming out of what's happening. And just from your perspective, what were those highlights? Well, before we go into that, Casey, I'd just like to say, you know, the IBO was set up in around 2010, about eight or nine people and, and some major 
people, you know, well-known names. So we had a real global presence about some of the major players in the world at that point in time. And we've taken that forward now. Every year, we've continued to raise the bar. Poland this year, I think, was probably the best outline of all the activities that the blueberry industry needs to look at, all the challenges, where we are today, where we need to go, how we stack up in the berry business. And I think that was one of the underlying positives that come out. And then the family orientation that they opened the, the summit up with, to me, was something that's been totally different to what we've ever done before. To me, that is another area of excitement where we look to for growth. So that was one of the uh, real highlights for me. Obviously, working alongside some of our Ukrainian grower partners, given the you know unfortunate circumstances they find themselves in as well. And one of the reasons why we had the event in Poland so close to that Ukrainian border. The other real highlight to me, though, was the ability to get the two biggest companies in the world in berries on the same stage together. Both Soren Bjorn, Senior Vice President at Driscoll's, and Juan Allende, the, the CEO at Hortifruit, the two biggest berry companies in the world. And they shared their views and their visions from some of the company strategies that they were allowed to discuss, but also turning that into a more generic sense as to how we can grow the business, where our challenges are going to be, what the consumer is looking for, the community aspects, the ESG parts of the business, also looking to align where Blueberry sat within the category of berries and also where we sat against other. But then you had a lot of other areas in the business as well, the technology side, the genetic side, which is so important to us going forward, the health aspects that Leslie spoke to us about, some of the in-country discussions, and then looking at some of the other emerging markets that are, that are coming to fruition as we look forward to grow this business. Obviously, the farm visits. Poland's got one of the biggest farms in the world, uh, the Wolchowski farm. But to me, one of the things that I wasn't aware of is, you know, what a success the Polish blueberry industry has been within their own right. How they've come together as one, to really take that business forward in that country. I've got to say they were very, very professional, as good as what I've seen. And um, everyone looks at yourself, Casey, and the USBC and the NABC as, as the leaders in the world in that area. Boy, oh boy, Poland's going to give you a run for a money, mate, the way the momentum they're building up over there. So that was another big positive, but it was, it was a great summit. It was a really great summit. You know, we look forward to taking that forward into the future. Well, I appreciated the, the connection, again, in our absence, our inability to be there. Dominica, who was our contact in kind of getting what information, Dr. Wada, myself, uh, we also had a, a small presentation on our Berry Smart project that was presented by Steve with Amanda. And so we really appreciated, you know, not being able to be there to be able to uh, participate virtually the best we could. Yeah, it's great to see, you know, that connection that IBO makes, you know, just I'd, I would have loved to seen those farm visits to see what different I could see in what they're doing there versus, you know, what farms I've seen and been able to walk here and in other parts of the world. So uh, what a unique experience. I thought maybe we could tease out a little bit more from your perspective on the decision to be in Poland next to Ukraine. And I know there was a panel on what's happening in Poland, Ukraine and Turkey. And so was there much discussion about the situation there and how the, essentially that war is affecting the production region? 
Yeah, I mean, look, you know, everyone sympathises for the situation that's happening um, and not a lot we can do about it, but support and show generally our support, which I think come across very, very well because they are growing regions. You know, they're part of the, the Blueberry family. That's what the IBO is about, is, is fostering that. And, you know, there's been significant growth, particularly in Ukraine and Poland. And, and like Turkey's a very big emerging market as well. So it was good to hear and just from a consumer perspective and how they're driving internal consumption of berries, the promotion and marketing activities that are actually being undertaken in that country on a very limited budget. You know, it was great to see that all the growers got together as one and started doing promotional work. You don't see that to the degree, I think, anywhere in the world that they are actually doing that there. That's one of their prime motivators and prime strategies from promoting blueberries. So tying this connection to these different production regions and, you know, the presentation, and I know the thing that IBO is, is well known for producing, which is the IBO World Report, the statistics that come out, and that was a big rush to this particular conference. What stood out to you from this year's report? Was there anything in that report from Colin and Court that, you know, struck you as being unique to this new year's report? No, I think that when you sit back and analyze the growth that we've been through over the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's such an exciting and a positive outlook that we've got to work with today. I know you can't change the past, but what you can do is certainly change where the end game might look like. And to me, reflecting on where we've been and what we've done and what were the underlying reasons behind successes and all failures, obviously, in certain areas, is something that, that stood out. You know, and just to throw a couple of numbers at you, you know, since 2010, the global blueberry industry has grown by a multiple of four. The actual footprint of the growing area has only grown by a multiple of three. Hence, we are now doing a better job in terms of yield to look at the growth in price, through to 2018, prices continued to climb. You know, it wasn't by great percentages, but when you look at the volume supply versus demand situation, that per capita consumption area was still happening. Now, we need to work on some of those countries where it's not happening. Certain countries, even though they're big producers, Spain is a great example, their per capita consumption is very low because there's not promotion happening within that country. If you look at some other examples that have been achieved, and I mean, I'll use Australia as a prime example. If I look back in early 2000, we had 1,500 tonnes of production. 500 tonne of that went fresh into Australia. 500 tonne was fresh was exported. 500 tonne went into processing. Today, we do 20,000 tonne. Export and processing has not changed. So you've got a multiple of 10 in the per capita consumption. And what's drove that? That's been driven by the fact that we've promoted within Australia and Australia has accepted it. So they're the sort of things that we can look to for examples of what does success look like. Colin and um, Court's report reflects on a lot of those things now. My country, you know, puts the challenge out to us to say, you know, what else can we do to promote? Obviously, you've got to have good practices. Consumers aren't silly today. They need to understand that they've got a safe product coming to them. Yes, taste is very important, and that delight factor is also important, and the consistency 52 weeks of the year. 
But at the end of the day, they need to make sure also that, you know, the ethical sourcing and all of that is all in hand as well. And I think all these attributes at the end of the day adding up, that we use our best endeavours from a growing perspective, a marketing perspective, helps the promotion of the berry to get achieve a lot more success going forward. Well, and for those who weren't there and would like to get their hands on the IBO report, I think it was the information was being debuted there. When can people get their hands on the report? And I believe it's no longer a members only document. You, you sign up. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, where that report's going next. So the report will be available in August. If you go onto the IBO website, you will be able to download that and use that report. Okay. And then just go to IBO and then just enter in your information. Maybe we talk a little bit about, you know, the vision of the summit was really around, you know, a vision that USHPC holds dearly. It's our new vision as a strategic plan to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. The IBO summit had it as the super fruit. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what conversations, strategies from your perspective came out of those conversations. Well, I think, you know, everything starts with growing the product, growing the right genetics, delighting the consumer at the end of the day. But for us to take advantage of that and continue to grow the product, it's about the genetic space and making sure that what we're putting out there on the shelves is what the consumer is actually looking for. We, as a growing community and as a breeding community, need to have a good hard look in the mirror and make sure what we are putting out there passes that pub test. Because the consumer is not stupid. That's one key area that we need to make sure that we get right going forward into the future. We're lucky that there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of new genetics coming through. There's a lot of different practices that, you know, are coming into play to help with our cost of production because, you know, growing blueberries is not a cheap game. You know, the labour content in the picking, you know, we haven't got it there in mechanisation yet. I know there's a lot of hope and striving for it. On one hand, I would say that we've probably cut our nose off because we've lifted the quality standards too high to meet consumer expectations and then trying to bridge that gap with mechanisation to reach that is going to be a very difficult task. But alongside of that, blueberries as a product, the shelf life concept, how it can be used in that many different ways, and that's for all ages, from the skilled children through to the the young up-and-comers, to the middle-aged, to the seniors. You know, it's like such a great product. We would be silly to not do the right thing going forward. And that's part of the IBO mantra. I know it's part of what the USBC has been really championing. But uh, I think from a global perspective, you know, that's the, the message that's been coming out loud and clear across the industry. And um, we just need to really make sure that we get behind that. Well, and, and I think, you know, part of what gets people behind it is the is the business that it is. So you're starting to see tiered based system of what's available. And so, th- you know, that that will continue to unfold in some form or fashion, you know, that quality standard. Well, it's difficult for organizations like ours, IBO as well, of, of trying to establish any sort of control over that. That's not really in the cards, but it's happening. It's a tough go as an industry, especially globally, trying to to explain that subjective nature of what a good blueberry is. And so, you know, I don't know if that's a conversation that you're having at IBO on how to wrangle that in, um, but that's that's the tough one. That is a really difficult conversation for the industry. Yeah, I think that's something that, as you said, it's difficult for the IBO and the OSBC to try and 
control that situation. It, it comes back to more in-country organisations that can talk directly to their growing base. You're right when you say that we'd all love to have you know, a 24mm jumbo that tastes fantastic 52 weeks of the year, but we know growing seasons are different and you just can't have that week in, week out. So the compromise situation is just to make sure the eating experience, no matter what the size is, is still good. And I think that's, that's a consistent nature and message that we need to put out there. Yep. And I just think, you know, it's important to recognize that, you know, obviously on our side, we've had the good practices committee and there's been a lot of great conversation about the need to self-police essentially that we're putting something out there that, you know, we'll bring the consumer back. We don't lose consumers because they have that bad eating experience. And, you know, there's statistics that show how many weeks out we're going to wait before they come back. But it's interesting just hearing, you know, some of that conversation unfolding there at IBO and as part of the summit, knowing that that is a important part of the future. So let's talk a little bit more about that future. But before we do, I want to jump into our crop report. So we have regions throughout North America harvesting every week this time of year. So here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from TJ Hafner in Oregon, Brody Schropp in Michigan, Jason Smith in British Columbia, and Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on August 16th, 2023. This is TJ doing the crop report for Oregon. We're on the tail end of a heat spell here. The last five days, we have had high temps reaching upper 90s to low and mid 100. Today, it's forecast to be 102. Tomorrow, mid 90s and back down to the low 80s on Friday. I haven't been out to look much post heat yet, but expect we're going to have a fair amount of sun damage. We started to pick Aurora yesterday. Last call in Titan is ongoing. Cleanup passes are being made in Liberty, Blue Ribbon, Legacy, and Calypso. SWD pressure is as low as I've ever seen it here in the Willamette Valley. We starting on post-harvest foliar fertilizer applications next week. The fresh market for both conventional and organic are strong, with packers saying they need more. Peru is late coming into the domestic market this year, which is keeping our fresh market strong. But post-heat, it's going to be difficult to get much quality out of Oregon, I'm afraid. I'm still expecting about 15 to 20% off of the forecasted 165 million pounds coming out of Oregon, just mostly due to undersized fruit. At the beginning of the season, we were forecasting about 55% of Oregon's volume going fresh, but now I'd estimate it's going to land at about probably 65%, just with the, the late season demand being strong for fresh. That's it for Oregon. This is Brody out of Michigan. Uh, we're currently still picking through our first pick of Elliott in late season varieties. I think uh, volumes look to be strong and growers' uh, optimism is high. Other than that, I think that we're, uh, we've got some supplemental rains that should have an effect on our sizing capabilities. And we're probably looking to uh, keep it going here for another, another about four weeks. So that's all I got for Michigan, but thank you. Jason Smith reporting for uh, British Columbia. Similar to Oregon, we've been experiencing some very, very significant uh, heat, at least for our area. I'm not sure our temperatures have gotten quite as high. I know one of my weather stations read 35, so didn't check the others yet. But, um, yeah, I, I, hopefully there's not too much damage. Fingers crossed there may be some, but uh, things look okay two days ago second big blue crop 
wrapping up. Number of barrels size uh, definitely impacted, but the fruit has been, the quality has been really good. It just, its size impacted a bit from the heat. Yeah, I'm going to stay at the 110, 60 fresh and uh, 50 process for the for now. And we'll kind of see what comes out of uh, what comes out of the late season here. If if there isn't the damage from the from the heat, then um, it should be fairly decent volumes of late season varieties. That's my report. Hello, this is Luis with the crop report from Peru until the end of week 32, which is the week going from August 7th until August 13th. So as I indicated in previous reports, the Peruvian season started in week 18, which is in May. And up until the end of week 32 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 39 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide, which represents a drop of almost 40% compared to the volume shipped last year. The season in Peru is being very unique given the atypical weather. We are having a weather with a warmer temperature than usual because of El Nino phenomenon. And this is affecting considerably the blueberry production of specific varieties. So the peak of the season, for example, last year occurred in week 38. This year, we're expecting for the peak of the season to occur in week 45, almost two months after the peak of last year. And again, that's given to the warmer temperature than usual. Going back to the statistics, so as I mentioned, until the end of week 32, we have shipped 39 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this total volume, 37% has been sent to the U.S., 29% to Europe, 24% to China, and a reminder, 9% to other destinations. Also, from the total volume shipped, 10% have been organics. Now, going into week 32, what happened in week 32? Well, Peru shipped a total of 6.8 million pounds, uh, which actually represents a drop of approximately 60% versus the volume shipped on the same week last year. 45% of the volume shipped during week 32 it was sent to the U.S. with approximately 3 million pounds, which are expected to arrive the U.S. market during the last days of August and first week of September. 26% of the volume shipped during week 32 has been shipped to Europe, 24% to China, and a reminder, 5% to other destinations, including Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Hong Kong, India, Israel, Kuwait, Panama, Singapore, Thailand, and Taiwan. So that's a report from Peru until the end of week 32. See you next week. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new ushbc.org forward slash data to find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry, go ahead to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. All right, let's go back to today's episode with Peter McPherson. 
you know, Peter, I understand, you know, that during the IBO conference, there was some good conversations about how to drive demand. So this idea of just quality continuing is certainly going to be an important piece, but we have a lot of runway. We talk about it a lot here at USHBC, where our household penetration is here in the United States. Right now, we're looking at revised numbers that show us at about 46%. So people might be surprised by that. Like, you know, I can't believe it's that low. Uh, we look at it as look at that opportunity ahead. So we have a job to do to go out and get that household penetration up, that per capita consumption up. Talk to me a little bit about that conversation there at the summit or there at IBO on what steps you see needing to take place in order to keep demand ahead of that supply. I think it's more about enforcing the stuff that we've talked about before in terms of the quality and what we bring to the table. Obviously, there's peaks and troughs in terms of supply, demand, and then affordability of the product, you know, week in, week out. So there, a a, a lot of the discussion points are around that. The overall quality aspect of of the product, I mean, it, it really underpins, you know, that ability to go out and continue to get greater consumption. To me, that's probably 80% of the argument. The rest of the argument then is about how you promote, how you sell and working with your major customers. Obviously, the supermarket chains and the retailers that we deal with, how they go about their business in terms of the merchandising element, either within store, turnover of stock. The education process just doesn't start with the grower concept. It's all right through the whole supply chain. And that's one area that we keep talking about is how we can make that happen. How can we educate, not just the consumer, but the people right through the chain. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to drive towards uh, that promotion, that part of what you're saying is the equation that's needed that we certainly take a lot of responsibility for here at USHBC as a research and promotion program over the years. You know, we've spent tens of millions of dollars to help try to lift the demand curve against the supply. It's increasingly challenging. We've got a lot more fruit coming in and, you know, the the need for resources to kind of make sure that we are driving that demand curve with what resources we have. I know there's a conversation there that, that you guys are talking about as well. Our recent strategic plan in 2021 set our sights on helping look at the world globally. Part of our data and insights platform is built on that. Obviously, our marketing export work that we do around the world is built on that. But talk a little bit about how you see that effort afoot going forward from here to drive that global demand? Well, one of the topics that, that the IBO committee has been, how can we how can we do more promotionally wise? The IBO, let's be honest, to use an old Australian cliche, uh, Casey, runs on the smell of an oily rag. So it's not as if we've got millions of dollars sitting in our bank account where we can just go out blase and do things. You know, the USBC is much more fortunate from that concept. And it's great to hear that the USBC is looking to take that outside of the States and and into, you know, the global market. How can we work together much more closer, utilising all the expertise that you guys have developed over the years, utilising the IBO people, the committee members, the country members within those countries that could open the doors, I think, a lot quicker and do it more cost effectively to do that. And... There's a real willingness from the IBO's perspective to make that happen. The USBC actually funded the formation of the IBO. So that should not be lost on everyone out there in the Blueberry community globally is, again, another free kick for the the USBC. But the end game has got to be how we continue to grow blueberries per se globally. Getting all the 
the value and all the positives that the USBC can bring to the table, plus the IBO and its members and what it's all about in terms of its mission statement and its values, to me it's just a win-win situation that we, we just need to make sure that you know we can activate and make it happen in a, in a timely manner without losing the relevance of both the USBC and the IBO at the same time. A subcommittee has been formed within the IBO to take that forward with the USBC. I look forward to some really positive things coming out of that. Well, I think that's great. And it's encouraging to hear, you know, that outcome from the summit that is, you know, really in line with what I know our board is interested in seeing. And well, you know, I hear you on the budget side for the IBO. Uh, You know, it's not all made of money over here either. I mean, these other commodities that we're up against or these other products, let's just put it at products that blueberries are really competing with in terms of the hearts, the minds and the dollar for these consumers. That's the problem, right? I mean, we, we, it's certainly not because we can't uh, make some inroads, but it takes time. It takes money. It takes focus. It takes strategy, and that's and that's really, I think, our united effort, our mutual challenge to address in terms of a problem. And uh, excited to see where this takes us in terms of strategy and conversations and collaboration. But I do want to talk a little bit more specifically about you, Peter. I understand that you'll be stepping down as the chair of the IBO. So I thought we'd spend a little time here on this episode, just on your reflections, your tenure, how long you've served as the chair. And as you look back on the last years of your tenure there, what milestones stand out to you, you know, as chair? Well, that's a good question, Casey. And uh, the IBO first come into play in, I think, 2010, I, I said, and uh, I think I was the original treasurer and Andreas Armstrong was the original chair. And in 2016 or 17 in Argentina, I took over the chair's role. We, we don't have a hell of a lot of influence in terms of what happens within country or from a global sense. But just to see the way the industry has acknowledged the fact that we need to do better. The other key thing to me is the commitment that countries are having now. That's something that I've been really proud of. And that's not just the IBO doing that, but it's the fact that the IBO has championed the practices. And, and one of the best things I've, I've seen in my, my area and in this through this 37, and particularly the last 20 years, and I'm talking from a cost of personal perspective here, more so than an IBO perspective, is the positive effect we've had on communities. Some of the areas we've gone to grow, what that positive effect has been in terms of economic terms, in terms of education, in in some of the poorest parts of the world where blueberries just happen to grow. I mean, that's just another little positive that's out there and has been driven through, through my personal journey, but also the fact that sitting on the as chair or as treasurer of the IBO over the last 13, 14 years, seeing what's happening in all the other countries in the world as well, hearing the stories firsthand, you know, hearing the, the, the growth strategies, ideas, watching the evolution of Chile, for instance, and then Peru coming on board in a big way. What's happening in South Africa? What's happening in the Ukraine? Poland, as I just explained earlier. I mean, it's this is such a great industry, honestly. I... I I am very proud and humbled to be able to be part of it, to be honest with you. Well, and to have that front row seat in a, in a leadership position like that, I'm sure provided a lot of great insight and uh, an opportunity for you to give back. And so I do want to acknowledge that on behalf of the industry, you know, your tenure there as chair, 
I really appreciate knowing what this industry has gone through, what it's been able to accomplish, and certainly, you know, your leadership at the IBO. Thank you for your commitment to that organization and your tenure there. And and I and I think I heard too that there's a, a process at which you're finding a successor. Has there been an announcement of that? Are you able to talk about that here? Yeah, look, I I think I I am able to talk about it. I mean, the board ratified the fact that I will be moving on at the end of this year. I'm pleased to announce that the board ratified that Mario Stadup will be taking over as the chair of the IBO come January or possibly at the uh, Fruit Logistica in Berlin this year. Mario is a very, very passionate, very man, obviously, um, originating but, you know, Mexico, um, works been working for Driscoll for a, a, quite a long time and now he's positioned in Europe. He's been involved in a lot of industry stuff, I know, within the US and relationships with the US, Canada, Mexico situation over there and the import situation that happened. So I couldn't think of a more deserving and better person. The only thing I'm going to miss is the little bottles of tequila he always gives me when we meet on stage. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure there's going to be another way to make sure that happens. But, you know, it's great to hear. Yeah, Mario is going to be great. I look forward to working with him on the board as well. And there's a lot to do. We certainly have a challenge ahead of us on getting blueberries to become the world's favorite fruit. And that should unite us. A lot of good things came out of Poland, it sounds like. And I appreciate you uh, kind of helping us with that download. Has there been a decision on where the next IBO conference is going? Well, I can share with you that provisionally we're looking at having it in South Africa in 2025. In addition to that, we're also looking to have an event at Fruit Attraction in Madrid in October 2024 uh, as a bridging gap to the summit in South Africa. So uh, South Africa, it's a growing area. It's very, very big in the blueberry business. And I look forward, and I know the South Africans will continue to raise the bar, my friend. Well, that's exciting. And uh, we look forward to being there as well. So thanks for sharing that. You know, look, Peter, uh, before we wrap up, you've served in this capacity for, was it seven years? Seven years as chair, yeah. Yeah, quite the tenure, quite the career. You're stepping down both as chair of the IBO and recently as general manager there at Costa. What's next for you? What, what, what's Peter doing now? What, what is, where does Peter go? Peter's not the sort of guy that's just going to wake up in the morning and uh, go golfing or, or go to the pub when it opens at 10 o'clock to punt on the racehorses, which is his other little private hobby. So I'll be keeping my eyes in the fire. Uh, I'll be doing some advisory work. I'm always open to the fact because I love this business. It's been very kind to me and very rewarding to me. Thank you all in the blueberry industry for allowing that to happen because it's a two-way street out there. And as I said earlier, we can't change the past, but we can change the end result. So we all need to work commonly in one way. Amen. Well... I appreciate this time, Peter. I appreciate, again, your leadership and uh, the time I've been able to spend with you as IBO chair. And, and of course, uh, you know, all this relationship between you and I is not ending because of your chairmanship, but I look forward to enjoying what that next part of your career looks like. And thank you for being on the business of Blueberries. Thank you, Casey. And thank you to the Blueberry world. Well, that's it for episode 145. Thanks once again to Peter for being on the show and to the IBO for all they continue to do to support the blueberry industry. You can learn more about the IBO and of course, look out for that next report at internationalblueberry.org. But that's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. 